0: Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson, Carlson, Carlson,
1: Carlson Hoj, här kommer Carlson, 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 Carlson. Ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson, det är jag så bra som mig Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Yes! Madden's best Jacob Chickering. Yes! Welcome everybody to another episode of the Keepin' Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who've got more to cover than Mad Sogard covers the net, because he's very big. I'm your host, Elon Dubrovsky, and with me to break down everything that happened in the past week, which is a heck of a lot, and we're going to figure out what are all the fantasy nuggets we need to take to be successful as we're all barreling towards our fantasy playoffs, whether it's, you know, the actual championship playoffs, the consolation playoffs, doesn't matter. uh, With me on this journey, the we're about to take you on is my very good friend my IPP MVP the poobah of prognostication he has a ton of nicknames I can't go through them all we don't have time but it is the fantasy hockey robot himself Brian come what is up Brian?
0: Elon it doesn't matter what's up with me there is so much up elsewhere in the world but especially the NHL and fantasy hockey which is what we're going to focus on today Elon I thought maybe for the (laughs) opening joke you could have gone like more to cover than Mad Sogard's bedsheets. Because he's okay. a big guy, unless maybe that's a little too intimate. We don't want to get that that comfortable. Or Anyway, we're so okay. happy to be here. We have so much to get through on the show today. So many guys wearing different jerseys, which is really the most exciting part of the trade deadline. Uh, but the second most exciting part is seeing how they perform in those new jerseys and how people who are already wearing those jerseys are going to be impacted. So we're going to get to it all over the next couple hours. And we are so fortunate and grateful to have you with us, dear listener.
1: Yes, uh, this is going to be a blast. And when you said players in New jerseys, I was thinking, well, we're not going to start with Timo Meyer. I guess we could. I wanted to wait a little while, get some of his data. Uh, that was a little, little pun there. But Brian, okay. Well, yeah, let's uh, dive into it by first mentioning that we are proudly presented by DobberHockey.com. They are really the best site to be going to this week because you got write-ups on all the trades, your breakdowns, who which players gained value, which players lost value for every trade. And of course, it's not only the players who changed jerseys. It's also the players on the teams where players left and someone gets a new opportunity. I'm looking at you, Eric. Uh, Eric Bouchard so you know there's a a lot to get to we're gonna start with defense actually brian i want to run through actually i'm gonna change the order a little bit i hope you won't get too mad at me Uh, now that i just thought of it as we were sitting down let's just go through all the new power play one defensemen out there and as we or power play two or just defensemen who are more interesting now and then we can maybe come up with a ranking as we go and i want to start in washington with the trade uh rasmus sandin the Leafs sent sandin to washington for eric gustafson and a first so clearly the leafs decided they were going to bring in a whole bunch of defensemen and why not you know downgrade here a little bit get a first while they're at it it's pretty rare by the way for a team that's like going for it to make a trade where they get a first like i don't know i don't think i've ever seen that before so uh interesting uh but anyway listeners uh, you know tweeted us or let us know if you if you could think of an example uh, but yes yeah, Sandine is obviously the most interesting Gustafson goes to Toronto uh you know they have Morgan Riley quarterback in the top power play I think Gustafson's pretty much lost all his value I don't know if we really need to dive too much into him though the Leafs did kind of stink in their last game so who knows if maybe they're going to change things up but I guess I want to start with Rasmus Sandine, and then we could go to Gustafsson because Sandine uh is taking over on the top power play on Washington had himself a huge game on Saturday three assists he was on the top power play. This is like the best situation. John Carlson by the way, the last update is that he won't be back until the end of March at the earliest, so at least a whole month of Sandine quarterbacking that power play with no competition. There's no Orlov, there's no there's nobody, okay? Uh, Trevor Van Reemstyk is quarterbacking the second power play, so that that's the competition I guess internally. So Brian, like how high are we on Rasmus Sandine right now? I know that in the past you've been very high on him, thinking he could steal the job from Morgan Riley. Uh, now there's no job to steal. It's his. He just has to hold it. Great for first game man look at this
0: look at this yeah we have to pay attention to rasmus sandin in washington because this is the first real honest to goodness opportunity he's had to run a power play and not only is he running a power play but he's playing on the power play with alex ovechkin so i i I think you got to get him and the reason i say it's his first honest to goodness opportunity is because in toronto he never really had too much of an opportunity, right? Um, even when Riley was injured, they were happy to use five. I remember, like, it was uh, Sandine or Giordano. Everybody was rushing to get who's going to replace Riley on the power play. And I was like, oh, nobody. They're just going to add Michael Bunting and they're going to run with five forwards on the power play. And to me, that was sort of demonstrative of, of how little the Leafs believed in Sandine. And clearly, Sandine felt that. Um, I think it came out after the fact that he did demand a trade at some point and is probably pretty happy to have a fresh start. And I'm excited to see what he can do in that fresh start. The thing with predicting how anybody's going to do on that top power play in Washington is that there's not much precedent. Uh, Like, John Carlson, until this year, since taking over the power play quarterback role, uh, he'd missed just 19 games over the last five seasons and 13 of those games happened in one year. So basically, John Carlson has always been there. The only other power play quarterback in Washington going back uh, like seven, eight years now, uh, back to 2015-16, that was, can you name him, Elon?
1: Oh, my gosh. Um, no, I don't. Well, think I'll give so. you a hint. He was acquired. He was acquired. After, okay.
0: after John Carlson like was power play quarterback already, they went out and brought in another
1: Oh, I do remember this, and I remember that it turned out to be a bust, but I don't remember the name. Mm -hmm. Give it it to me.
0: It was Kevin Shattenkirk. Ah. Yeah. And so uh, Shattenkirk was not long for Washington, and Carlson just stepped back in. And yeah, on the power play for Washington, Shattenkirk was like, he was okay, but it was so long ago, it doesn't matter. Basically, what I'm saying is um, we didn't have much of a precedent except... Till this year, when Carlson got injured, Eric Gustafsson did pretty well in his time on the power play. So I don't know why Sandine went either. We just also don't have a whole lot of data on Sandine himself being in a position where he can be believed in. And I'm kind of like, I'm not going to say it's exactly the same thing, but fresh starts do mean something. Look at Philip Gustafsson, who struggled in Ottawa with an organization that didn't believe in him, went to Minnesota where they're like, yeah, we, we kind of need you this year. And he's been stunning, sterling, playing fantastic. And I wonder if Sandine can get a similar bump moving to a team that wants him and is going to put him in a position to succeed. So all this to say, uh, Rasmus Sandine, I would go get him, hold him for a few games. If he does nothing, you drop him. But power, quarterbacking the top power play in Washington, pretty good place to produce from. One thing I'm curious on that I haven't been able to dig up a full answers, and anyone can tweet at us if you happen to know, is um, whether Washington has changed the way their power play operates without John Carlson, or if they're like just doing the same thing, but plugging in a different guy into Carlson's spot, or if they've moved uh, like production or the passing network away from Carlson's spot on the unit. So if anybody knows, please, uh, please let me know, because that would also impact my answer on Sandine. I'm sort of assuming that Sandine gets to basically copy what John Carlson was doing.
1: Yeah, I think it's the kind of thing, like you said, Brian, just go get him. Don't worry about all that stuff about what how the power play is running. Eventually they try to get it to Ovechkin on the left side, and he tries to, you know, do a one-timer. That's basically how it works most of the time, uh, from what I recall. But yeah, get him, and then, like you said, we, we'll see what happens. Like He took no shots. Also, this game was against San Jose, where the Capitals, like, utterly destroyed them. Eight to three, so you don't want to read too too much in to a single game against a weak opponent. But still, like you said, Brian, it's stop power play on Washington. You go get him. So good for Rasmus Sandin. Uh, while we're on and i i mentioned like jokingly trevor van reamsdyke but actually he's not nothing like he he has been nothing for most of his career in terms of fantasy uh but he has two assists in his last five games which is you know, man, but also three plus shots in each of those last five games. So Trevor Van Riemsdyk has been, you know, picking things up a little bit on the offensive side. And that goes along with a ton of blocks. He's seventh in the league in blocks. So if you are in a multi-category league, like Trevor Van Riemsdyk has, you know, there's obviously a, a deeper cut, but this is a guy who now is going to get some power play time on Washington. Obviously the second power play doesn't play like as much as on some other teams, but also the second power play does often have Alex Ovechkin who just stays out for the whole time. So TVR could end up, uh, getting some significant time he seems to be shooting a lot he's still going to give you those blocks uh so i'm pretty into him i actually grabbed him in my dynasty league like before the breakout just because i needed the blocks going into the fantasy playoffs i had alec martinez i was able to make a trade to get rid of martinez you know dump that big salary and i figured i, I should pick someone up to you know replace those blocks i picked up TVR. now i'm super excited about him. i'm curious to see what he's gonna do like long term because he's a free agent at the end of this year but we don't need to talk about that but for this year just wanted to mention him that he's someone that you may want to look at especially if your league counts blocks
0: Trevor Van Riemsdyk has been on and off my watch list through the season, and like you said, Elon, those peripherals are the reason why, but lately, he has added this little trick to his stats, which is five straight games with three or more shots on goal, including five, although who didn't take five shots against San Jose on Saturday night, or on any night, so that's a a nice little bonus value from Trevor Van Riemsdyk, and the points do come, like, every so often. On the whole, he's still on a 23-point pace on the season, which is... Uh, tied for his career high point pace, so we're not looking for some kind of offensive explosion. But Elon, I like your thinking that if he does get any power play time with OV, that maybe he can like you know sort of how Darnell Nurse found some extra find some extra points by being that you know second defenseman to come out and quarterback if McDavid and Dryside will stay on.
1: Okay. And then I guess on Washington, one other player I'll mention is TJ Oshie is really hot right now and he's probably available in a lot of leagues. He had a power play goal against the Sharks up to eight points in the last five games. You know, sometimes I just want to mention it, obviously he's not going to keep it up to this extent, but he's in a really good spot right now on that power play, just like Sandine. Basically this whole show, will just be talking about the Washington power play, but yeah, Oshie on a hot streak right now. And if he's in free agency, I would take a look.
0: Yeah. We've said to like, kind of just ignore Oshie through most of the season, even when he looks good, but like this, he's the sort of guy. He gets hot, you want him. Then he snoozes, and you let go. Oshi on this run, five goals on thirteen shots. I mean, he's he's generally an efficient shooter. The last few years, fifteen percent or thereabouts. And three of his five goals in this run have come on the power play, which means like yeah, those are higher percentage opportunities. It's not total luck that Oshi is shooting thirty nine percent on this run he's on and regress him, and he's still on a nice little run. So I would look at him like Washington plays monday which is hopefully when you're listening to this i'd consider him for that game and then i'd reconsider after like oh she's kind of like a guy who if you have him on your roster you check every couple games make sure he's still producing and if not you cut ties
1: okay and then yeah like i said on the other side of the trade you got eric gustafson coming to the leafs he's played two games now two shots on goal uh, total in those two games. No points. He's been on the second power play. So yeah, unless there's a shakeup. Obviously, I'd be watching game day tweets to see if the Leafs do shake things up. I did see a tweet from someone saying how the power play looked bad and they might need to do something. But obviously, that's just conjecture. I think that you could probably just dump Eric Gustafson, especially if you could get like a Sandine, or maybe some of the other guys we're going to talk about. Uh, the Leafs also, by the way, got a ton of defensemen <laughs> in this past week. Uh, Luke Shen, Jake McCabe. Uh, they also picked up Sam Lafferty. Uh, so yeah, they're just stocking up on lower end guys and like filling out their defense. So we'll see how that works for them in the playoffs. They also got Matt Murray back, Brian, and he played that game on Saturday and did not do well. Four goals against on 24 shots, marked as a really bad start over on Frozen Tools. So um, yeah, I don't know. Matt Murray didn't benefit from the extra defense and I think at this point we could just be confident that even if you had him in your IR and now you're kind of we're happy to get that start you weren't happy after the game I think Samsonov is probably the starter moving forward until he falters which I don't think he will.
0: Seems like it this is sort of like you know I've tweeted about the circle of Matt Murray before where like he starts slow and then he gets on a roll and he impresses and then he gets injured again so like we're, we're just renewing the cycle for Murray, um, but I don't know that we're going to get a chance to see it play out, because Samsonov has definitely emerged as someone the Leafs are probably going to try and rely on, especially see how he does down the stretch, and if he holds up, he can probably go the distance and into the playoffs as well. So, a tough break for Matt Murray to watch the other goalie run away with the job, basically, while he's on the shelf, but... What else can you do? So yeah, if you have Matt Murray, I would be looking at maybe you're getting one out of every three starts, maybe 50-50 at best, so long as the current play from each goalie holds.
1: Yeah, and then also in this game against Vancouver, which was a 4-1 loss, I don't know how much to blame on Matt Murray, like the Leafs only did score one goal, Uh, they also had some bad news, Ryan O'Reilly got hurt, and it looks like we don't have an update right now, Shams is saying in the chat here there's going to be no news until tomorrow's practice, so Monday, so maybe by the time you're listening to this, you might want to check on game day news and see if we've uh, retweeted any updates on Ryan O'Reilly, but this guy is kind of interesting because he came to the Leafs, uh, did nothing in his first game, got on a line with... Marner and Tavares had that huge game against Buffalo, three goals and an assist. Everyone rushed to grab him. If he was available in free agency. And then over these next five games, he's done nothing pointless. couple shots on average per game in those five games. So now he might be hurt. So maybe this is a moot point anyways, but I was going to ask you before this game, like I had him on the docket at Brian, like, is he someone you still hold because he's on this good line or is this back to just like, yeah, he's Ryan O'Reilly from the rest of the season, which was not worth holding in any fantasy league.
0: I think I'd want to hold O'Reilly like a little longer. I think if he's hurt, like that's actually a great chance to put him on IR and hopefully you keep O'Reilly stashed there while you gather a little more data. Like he plays another couple games. If you're allowed to do that, uh, just hold him in IR on your roster and see what happens. But the line is still doing well with Tavares and Marner. Tavares himself only has two points in his last five games, both of them goals, um, but still tons of shots coming for Tavares and like some on the power play but I think I would just keep the faith in um, Ryan O'Reilly playing with Tavares and Marner which should be a pretty good place to produce from especially if you're centering the line so yeah my move would be to stash him in IR not activate him when he's healthy for a game or two and use that data to make up your mind but I I have a hunch that O'Reilly will be generally rosterable especially if like you know point Shots are always hard to come by from O'Reilly, but if your format just rewards, like, points, then you will, I think, find it worthwhile to hold him through the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, I mean it's hard to disagree. Obviously, this is more for deeper leagues and shallower leagues. You, you know, you maybe just don't want to wait for him to heat up again. But yeah, with those line mates, it's the kind of thing where you can't expect him to go cold for too too long. Okay, so Brian, I said I wanted to stick with defense. So we've talked about Sandin, we've talked about Gustafson. Let's go to uh, let's go to Edmonton next. Let's talk about that big trade they made where they sent Reed Schaefer. Tyson Barry and a 2023 first and a 2024 fourth to Nashville to get Matthias Ekholm. So that's a huge price to pay. Schaefer apparently is on a big streak right now in the minors I was seeing. So I don't know. Hopefully the Oilers won't end up regretting this uh, Barry scored a goal in the last game. Uh, anyways, uh, as far as fantasy goes, like Matthias Ekholm obviously is meant to be more of like a good, you know, minute muncher, like defensive player. I think that's going to help the team, which they've needed for a while. So, you know, I'm not going to say that this is like a bad move, but in terms of fantasy, uh, you know, Ekholm does doesn't seem too exciting anymore like he you know uh, Shams and I talked about him on short shifts he had played a game he had an assist uh, but like since then like no power play time the peripherals weren't even that great in the last couple games I think you'd have to be in a pretty deep league like yeah he's like everything we said before is true like you know he was going to be on the ice a lot and potentially like you know Edmonton scores a lot of goals even at even strength so you know he's probably going to get in and get some assists but he's not too exciting to me I think the guy who really benefits from this trade is with Tyson Barry out of the picture, all of a sudden, Bouchard has huge value for uh, fantasy managers all of a sudden. And this is a guy who, like, we've been waiting, like, for so long. We thought going into the year that maybe Evan Bouchard would be the guy. I think I said Eric Bouchard at the start of the show when I mentioned him. I'm just realizing now. But okay, Evan Bouchard. I don't know. Is, was there a hockey player named Eric Bouchard at some point? Anyway, uh, Bouchard now PP1 had three assists, two power play assists versus Win- peg after a couple pointless games from the top power play, so I was getting a little worried that, hmm, I wonder if he's going to hold this. Maybe, like, Nurse takes a spot. Maybe Ekholm gets it, but obviously a three-assist game is going to help with that, and I think the plan is, obviously, for Evan Bouchard to be the, the main guy there on PP1, and I'd be curious to know, Brian, does that make Bouchard more or less exciting than Rasmus Sandin? Like, let's say, you know, this is the couple, uh, you know, playoff start next week. It's three weeks, so you, you, you don't have to include, like, oh, but, like, John Carlson may be back at some point. Like, assuming this is for the entire duration of John Carlson being out. I'm curious to know which of those two defensemen you'd be more interested in.
0: Definitely Evan Bouchard. Like, I ran out and I grabbed him in two leagues somehow. I'm never first on the news. I was first on the news in a couple leagues. Actually, in my cupful division... Someone went and grabbed Matias Ekholm 10 minutes before I grabbed Evan Bouchard. And um, as you already mentioned, Elon, yeah, like I, I'm not into Ekholm pointed before Bouchard. So like I was wondering kind of, but not really. Like Ekholm has been 35, 40 point defenseman in his career. And unlike, you know, which is like Darnell Nurse production, except Darnell Nurse generally, less this season, but puts up peripherals. And Matias Ekholm never has and is even like below Nurse's peripheral production when Nurse is below his own peripheral production. So, like, maybe Eckham gets a few more points because he's on Edmonton and on the ice more often with McDavid and Drysaddle, but no, I don't really want him... I want Evan Bouchard. I think that's the much more exciting opportunity. And I I saw an interview with Ken Holland, who said, like, you know, he's paid his dues. It's time for Evan Bouchard to get the opportunity. And between Bouchard and Sandin, yeah, I'll take Bouchard. I'll take someone, I think, you know, as, as enticing as that Washington power play is with Ovechkin, that Edmonton power play has eclipsed it in terms of the league's best and most productive power play to play on. So... I am very happy to uh to have Evan Bouchard in a couple leagues and Elon you yeah you said uh, like Eric, there's no Eric Bouchard. You are either confusing Eric Bouchard with Edmund Bouchard who um played in various I'm definitely not. <laughs> <NHL>. <laughs> well, I, he played for uh, the Hamilton Tigers back in the 1922-23 season. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, 5'10, 185 uh 20 uh 39 points in 223 career nhl games from 1921 to 1932 but you. maybe you were, you were also thinking of eric schwinard oh no i don't even know who that is i was thinking of matthew schwinard who's the goalie <laughs> that the Sens drafted twice right, after I he didn't know. sign an
1: elc with them who's yeah, okay, eric I Schwenard? Think it, was just, it was just a braid fart and i don't know why you needed to go down that I think rabbit he's a hole figure skater yeah that does sound familiar uh, but okay. Also on Edmonton, since we're here, uh, they acquired Nick Buickstad. He scored a goal in his first game, but he's a bottom sixer, so probably not something to get too too excited about. But I would watch like like I was talking about with Shams. Uh, you know, you never know when Edmonton's going to shake things up. in Buickstad, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point this season he gets on a line with McDavid and Dreisaitl, or uh, and or mm. Dreisaitl you think for sure not
0: i mean if he ever does like go ahead but yeah i think i think he's there for center depth like they're they're happy to have somebody that they can play on their third line and like yeah. be useful there i think no, it it's kind sense. of defeat defeating the purpose if he's elsewhere by the way eric uh eric schwinard oh 11 <laughs> career points in 40 and in 90 nhl games
1: yeah like we had like so much free time largely on this played
0: with philadelphia and minnesota
1: Yeah, with Bugs, I'm just saying, I'm just so used to Edmonton just like shaking around those lines so often that everyone gets a shot at some point in the top two. But maybe at this point it's not the case anymore. Uh, Also, while we're here, who should I mention? Should I mention uh, Jack Campbell? Had a really brutal game <laughs> i mean but i guess if anyone still has jack campbell like come on he just let in six against winnipeg after skinner got the previous three games so i think we all know what to do with him if you still had him i guess the other thing is like really we probably should be taking some time to talk about mcdavid dry settle and ryan nugent hopkins because they're just having incredible like they just had incredible like last couple weeks to go along with like incredible seasons but we don't have time okay so let's just assume that we did talk about <laughs> those three okay
0: yeah i mean we don't need to we just need to say their names we're like oh yeah they're great and i also you know on just uh, sorry, I know you want to move on, but just
1: going back, you want, you want to talk more about Eric Schreinard no, or Bouchard? No,
0: none of these guys, <laughs> just read Schaefer. He was like, he, he, oh, yeah. He's he been on a run lately. He's still in the WHL, right? He's plays for Seattle and the like junior hockey. With like, so if you're not scoring over a point per game, then you're never going to make the NHL. So this is like just what's expected from a 19 year old at that level of hockey. Um, yeah, so right, wow. I, I just didn't want to, Debbie, blow... what a
1: downer here on you know, uh, I'm <laughs> not <David> sure. <Schaefer. laughs> Former yeah. uh, first over, first round pick, and uh, I saw a tweet. I saw tweets saying he's on a really hot run right now, and people are excited about him. Anyway, whatever. He is, fine. and g- yeah, be excited. That's it's great. Rising, I just no I felt like the
0: implication was that well, one, this might be in the AHL, which it's not. Or, that would mean more
1: if it was there. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, okay, all right. Uh, on the Nashville side, they get Tyson Berry. Um, but they're clearly also rebuilding, like they traded Granlund and they traded Jeanneau. Uh The roster is looking pretty thin, like with Forsberg out. If you look at Nashville's last game, these were the lines that Duchesne is there. And he was playing with Cody Glass and John Leonard. And then my guy Tommy Novak, who I was so excited about last week, playing with all these good players. He was on a line with Kiefer Sherwood and Luke Evangelista. And then Colton Sissons, Yakov Trenin and Cole Smith. Mark Jankowski played with Erasmus Asplund. Oh, yeah, they brought in Erasmus Asplund. Uh, so there, and, and anyway, as you can tell, like all of a sudden Nashville is turning to one of these teams. That's like, like a Chicago, right? Or like an Arizona. It's like, who are these people? Uh, but anyways, Tyson Barry's there. He was on the second power play. Uh, Roman Yossi obviously is the main guy there. So even though Barry scored a goal, I assume he falls down the list. Maybe he's like a similar to uh, Eric Gustafson at this point, like someone who used to be so valuable and all of a sudden just lost it all. Well, so yeah. d- depressing if you have it, one of them. I oh, it's
0: <laughs> awful. Like this is a carriage to pumpkin moment for anybody rostering Barry like you had this gold mine and I honestly I think the rug was just pulled out from under you with the Oilers you know probably trying to make a move and finding ways to clear salary you could have maybe guessed that Barry would be somebody that they'd consider moving but yeah this is a a big giant oof for anybody who took that draft day swing on Barry and his benefit like good for you that swing has gotten you probably up to your fantasy hockey playoffs but now uh, that swing has suddenly gone to nothing and you're starting from scratch for your fantasy hockey playoffs. So good luck. I hope we need some good replacement candidates already, but I'm not holding on to Tyson Berry to find out what happens. He's on the second pair with McDonough, which is like a bit of a five on five upgrade compared to his Edmonton deployment. And he's on the second power play unit with nobody. So that's a that's a big bummer.
1: To be fair, Roman Yossi's on the first power play with mostly nobody also, <laughs> but True. At, least he's there. at least he's there for more time. Uh, Barry, but yeah, four shots and a goal. Like I'll, I'll bet you Tyson Barry will still be rosterable in some leagues, and I'll bet you he'll go on and off, uh, but like not the sure thing, obviously, like it was in Edmonton. Uh, we still have some more defensemen I wanted to get to. I'll just name drop them here. Klingberg is now a top power play guy. Uh, Gossis Beher, I guess, isn't, but seemed like he was today, at least. So we'll talk about them, and then we'll also get to some forwards at some point, uh, and some goalies even. We'll, we'll cover the gamut, so we're just going to take a quick break you're listening to keeping carlson all right brian we are back so what's our ranking so far of the defense we've talked about we're going uh bouchard first then Sandine, then i guess do we rank uh barry and gustafson i'll go barry first then gustafson do you concur or you gonna go gustafson ahead
0: no i'll go barry like you said the shots are still coming and gustafson i really expect absolutely nothing from so yes i think that's a that's a good ranking so far
1: All right, so now we're going to throw John Klingberg into the mix, who goes from not being on the top power play in Anaheim. He got bumped by Cam Fowler early on in the season. Really just wasn't a good stint, and it didn't work out for the ducks like either like both of them just like was it was a total bust right i mean klingberg i guess you can't say was too much of a bust because he did make seven million dollars uh but the ducks were hoping that they could sign him and then flip him at the deadline get like a first like i think they got like a fourth and a couple players i'd never heard of that one of them's not even signed uh so yeah but now minnesota gets john klingberg for peanuts and then in his first game with the wild he was right there on the top power play and like of course he was right like they don't like Kalen addison that much he's been scratched for a bunch of games I'm sure one day Calen Addison will have a chance again but in the meantime you know they weren't going to give it to Spurgeon after they didn't have it you know on Spurgeon all year so we'll see what happens obviously it was one game it was a very successful game for the Minnesota Wild they shut out the Calgary Flames 3-0 a great job by Philip Gustafsson who's stolen the net over there uh so yeah he's definitely someone by the way as a side point like go get him I think right now if he's available uh but yeah as far as John Klingberg goes he didn't get a point in this game he was plus three so that means that he was on the ice for three even strength goals i'd imagine his ipp generally would indicate that he would have gotten in on at least one of them plus he was yeah got 80 percent of the power play time like he just played like the majority of the power play time for the team so i guess minnesota didn't score a power play goal but that doesn't mean they won't in the future with a guy like kirill kaprizov on there so i'm very interested in Klingberg. so brian let's uh get your thoughts on him and then you could slot him in uh above or below the bouchards and the sandines of the World who might be available in free agency
0: yeah well i'll, I'll slot him under the bouchard and Sandine right now but i might slot klingberg actually i will slot klingberg ahead of tyson barry who i think oh, is next if I, yeah. unless i'm forgetting anybody else in our rankings so far i love this opportunity for klingberg and for minnesota like you said elon his points participation rate is usually 40 percent at five on five so uh maybe he would have gotten a point on uh, those three five-on-five goals scored while he was on the ice, which is great, right? Like, Klingberg's on a team that can score goals. It hasn't had total success. Like, Minnesota's had their own struggles this year, but this is definitely a better spot for him than Anaheim, where everything was just constantly on fire, and Klingberg... Is, I think, decent defensively, but he, he can't do like the huge heavy lifting that was going to be necessary. So hopefully there's some help around him to generate some offense. I don't still expect him, though, to be super active. Like, I love that Klingberg has a chance to quarterback a good power play, but the Minnesota Blue Line on the power play will. I was actually going to say that there haven't been that great when I was doing my prep for the show, but then I was wondering, Ilana, how many um, in fifty-seven games do you know offhand? If I, if you don't mind me putting you on the spot, maybe just <laughs> the listeners, whatever. How many power play points do you think Kaylin Addison has
1: collected? Yeah, but okay. I'm I'm, going to imagine it's low. There's a reason why he is not rostered in too many fantasy leagues, though I will say that is it possible that the Minnesota power play hasn't been that successful because they haven't had someone who has experience and is good enough to run it? Like Spurgeon never was that amazing. Like Klingberg has had a lot of success on Dallas, has been like a 50, 60 point defenseman in the past. So obviously, I get what you're saying, though, like it hasn't been that successful. I feel like the personnel is there. You got Boldy, you've got Zuccarello, you've got Kaprizov. Who's the, who's the other one there? Oh, Joel Erickson-Eck? Those are, those are four good forwards that I think Klingberg should be able to work with.
0: Yeah, and actually, Minnesota has been running an above average power play this year, just barely, but they are converting on a almost 23% of their opportunities, which is about a percent and a bit higher than the league average. And to answer my own question, Elon, Caelan Addison has 18 power play points. In 57 games. Yeah, I know. I didn't realize it either. I'll get it to why in a second. But that basically, like, Addison's been pacing for 26 power play points on the year. But the kicker is that he's pacing for 40 points total, which means that Kalen Addison, if he continued to power play the quarterback, would get eight more power play points and just four more non-power play points over the remaining 25 games. Um, So that means that yeah there is hope for Klingberg to get in on the offense on the power play and maybe he can be a more effective five-on-five producer than Addison which would give us some finally some fantasy value from the blue line in Minnesota like Addison of course if you have been rostering him for those power play points I mean he was useless pretty much with those top power play minutes now Kalen Addison is completely useless until further notice so I hope Klingberg makes his case to uh to have a solid rest of the season especially because I uh I have him on mm. one of my fancy teams. <laughs> Infamously drafted him two spots before you drafted Eric Carlson. That was a... Uh, still getting over that.
1: Hey, well, who knows? Maybe Klingberg turns it on over in Minnesota. It's not like Eric Carlson is going to have a lot of people to play with. We'll talk about the Sharks in a little bit. Uh, but I guess since we're on Minnesota, I'll mention that they also got Marcus Johansson, who you may be thinking, look like, boring. But he's actually been on a good line. Like, in his first game, he played with Joel eriksson and Matt Boldy on, I guess, what you would call the the second line. I guess, and uh, Marjo had an assist. I guess this was the second game actually with the Wild. This was the game against Calgary where they won three nothing. He had an assist. He took four shots. Like I'm not gonna go out and like be like, oh, you should go and grab Marcus Johansson. But he also got like a decent amount of power play time. I'll just mention so he's not someone that I would completely ignore. Like maybe it's the kind of thing like if Minnesota has a good streaming schedule, you can try him out. Uh, don't expect him to be a hold all season, but I-, I like the spot he's in. So I just wanted to shout him out a little bit.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, consider shout-out complete, because I'm into random trivia, Elon, on this episode. Can you name... I I forgot how many other teams Marcus Johansson has played with. How many can you name?
1: So I know he was on Washington. That's when you liked him. Back then, back when he was on Washington, you used to be like, all about Marcus Johansson. It was Marcus
0: Johansson and Andre Burakovsky taking turns Mm -hmm. on the top power play. Yeah.
1: We were like, what is this travesty that Johansson's not on the top power play whenever he wasn't there? Okay. Uh, I believe he went to Boston after that yes okay i know he went he went to minnesota uh-huh like previously now he's back on minnesota in between then obviously recently he was on washington i'd imagine there was a team in between or two where else did he go i don't know this is probably not good content so you're you, doing you can really well though
0: he, boston he went from washington to boston to buffalo remember okay. those like those brief hopeful buffalo days to minnesota to seattle To Washington.
1: Oh, yeah, he was on Seattle. And then Minnesota.
0: Somehow he's been on three teams since... two, Two other teams since having been on the Kraken, who've only existed for a year and a half.
1: Okay, well... Here he is now and currently getting good deployment. The thing is even like those four shots are pretty rare. Like normally he doesn't take a lot of shots. So that's why he's not too excited even when he's in a good spot. But okay. So we've got Klingberg. You're putting him after Bouchard and Sandin. I, I guess I could get behind that. I think Sandine and Klingberg could uh, go either way. I'm definitely with you that Bouchard is number one over there right now. Uh, let's add another defenseman to the list. Okay. Let's talk about Shane Gostisbehere, who was also acquired for Peanuts. Carolina. Well, not total Peanuts, but a 2026 20, third. I don't know what the value is to Peanuts. People of, like, a pick that's, like, so far away, like, a third-round pick, like, like, Carolina's hoping they'll have a couple cups already by the time they have to pay up for, uh you know, Shane Bear, who, man, oh, man, what a game today, and what a start with the Hurricanes overall, like, Bear came in, you know, not top power play, but they do seem to run two pretty even units, maybe, like, a little bit less time, uh, but in game one, Bear scored a goal against his former team, the Coyotes, in a romp, it was 6-1 to one Carolina, so I would have definitely, if that was was it i would have been like don't read too much into it uh you know like it was against arizona whatever uh that was a power play goal then today one goal two assists against tampa bay in another huge win for the canes who are making a statement like everyone's talking about boston and they're like hey don't forget about us and yeah they just stomped tampa with vasilevsky in net six nothing and shane costar one goal and two assists all on the power play from this like not top unit like this was a unit of uh teravainen who had a huge game kokaniemi who had a huge game yeah just basically this power play feasted gossip bear seth jarvis paul stasny and then the top unit of nason aho nature Svechnikov, burns uh you know i guess didn't get in on as much of the fun uh so this could be good news for goss's bear like clearly they acquired him for a reason and that was to play power play time and he's showing that he is worthy of this power play time so i thought this was going to be like a downgrade for him until like you know, well, I guess like when like Valamaki started getting power play over Gossip Bear in his final days in Arizona, then I was like, okay, I guess anywhere will be better. But, uh, now I'm, pretty excited about him of course it's, it's easy to say that when he's had two huge games so I'm ready for you to pour the cold water and say like there's, there's no way this keeps up so I don't know how interested are you and I'm curious to see where he'll slot in above I, I feel like you're gonna have him definitely blow Bouchard we could even forget about him uh you could just tell me right now is there anyone we're gonna talk about that you like more than Bouchard I can't imagine
0: no I don't think so I think the upside is just so sky high for Evan Bouchard which is the point we've made uh I'll take Ghost of Spare above Tyson Barry and I think I will below take Klingberg uh, I, uh, that For me, it's tough. I think I'll take power play one John Klingberg over Shane Goss' despair. I mean, the thing is that Carolina is scoring at will these days, so it's hard to turn away. I'd consider them pretty even options, and I do like that Goss' at least shoots, right? Like, he's taken a lot of shots. Um, today, I think I made these notes once the game had finished. But now after today's game, Gossespierre has two power play goals on five shots, plus two power play assists uh, in his two games with the Hurricanes, which gives Bear four power play points from the second unit over two games. So this is not sustainable production, but it's fun, right? And I think there's going to be, I mean, we're going to have this conversation a little bit about Jacob Shikrin in a, in a short amount of time, I imagine, but one thought is that, hey, Bear uh, is going to Carolina. They're better offensively. And the truth is that in expected goals, yes, that's true. At five on five, Carolina has one more expected goal per 60 minutes, which is a huge gap. Carolina is basically one of the top teams in the league in generating offense, and Arizona is one of the worst. But as we've talked about on the show a couple times, Arizona has somehow beaten that expected number steadily for like two seasons now. And their actual goals scored per 60 minutes is actually extremely similar to Carolina's at 5-on-5. So we'll see if Gossespierre being on Carolina at 5-on-5 gets him more offensive production. But I think it's probably going to overall be a downgrade from what we saw from him in Arizona, which was top power play and on a team that has scored as many actual goals per 60 minutes as Carolina does already
1: hmm yeah i mean it's hard to say after this game today but like the, the points you're saying are, are making sense for sure so yeah de- but definitely i think he's someone you should roster like uh I would yeah just, like ride you, the wave you get him.
0: yeah ride the wave get him while he's hot everybody adds like jacob slavin when he gets hot on carolina and like speaking of which elon brady Shea has gone back to being brady Shea. like i have yeah. been sort of like not wanting to bring it up but <laughs> it, it's been the case for a while right like you but I I was actually surprised to learn you've still been rostering him
1: well I dropped him recently after that trade but yeah he was getting still good power play time for a while but yeah Yeah. after this trade now he's totally off all the power
0: he had uh seven points he's seven points in his last 19 games which is basically how his season started too he had that nice little middle bit but aside from that Brady Shea is back to being like he I I just want to make I don't think he emerged or broke out as like a new offense he's someone who can do it but I don't think he's going to be like someone that needs to be rostered from here on out or next year either, unless something big changes.
1: Well, I mean, you know, Shane Goss is there is going to be UFA. And maybe if Brady Shea comes back and is again getting power play time, then I'd be interested again. But, but even l- with that, we'll with he, he,
0: yeah, I mean, the shots have still been decent uh, for Brady Shea. I just, yeah. Yeah, Anyways, we don't have time to talk about it. Okay, him.
1: all right. I do. I do want to though mention the other uh, defenseman on the team, Brent Burns, who is on a huge hot streak right now and is definitely worth calling out. He had four assists versus Arizona in the six-one win. I believe he also had another assist today. I think that power play at least did score one goal at some point. Yeah, the last goal of the game, Cockneyemi on the power play from Burns and Martin Neches. So yeah, he got on the board again. Uh, this brings Burns okay. Like before today, he had twelve points in the last eight games. Like the thirteen points in his last nine games like approaching a 70 point pace this is like better than what we were hoping for like i I remember when he came to carolina we were everyone was like oh my god this is going to be such a huge improvement over san jose and then you know some people were like oh maybe pump the brakes like he's kind of old i don't know what he's but this is great like this is like more i think than even what people expected
0: yeah, it's I think we were looking at him as like 60, maybe 65 points. And Brent Burns is on a 67 point pace right now, which makes this his best season since the first year that Carlson joined him in San Jose. And then things went pretty far south ever since then. But the, the funny thing about Burns' season and success in Carolina is that his numbers look incredibly similar, like eerily similar to Tony D'Angelo's in Carolina last year, like you could convince me looking at their numbers that it's the same guy who just changed the nameplate and number on the back of his jersey. Like I haven't gone like deep into the stats or anything, but basically just what I look at in terms of offensive production um, and involvement in the offense and ratio of how much is produced at five on five versus power play. Like Brent Burn shoots a little more and has had a little more power play success, which is why right now he's pacing to beat D'Angelo's Carolina season by a few points. But it is... Like, Carolina, man, like, they have a system, and they just put a guy into it, and it's like, hey, this is your job now, and they find the right guy for the job, and he does the job and boom, they've done it again with Brent Burns this year. Um, so, a, a hugely successful season for him, and I think that's credit to him, but also to the machine, the well-oiled machine that is the Carolina Hurricanes.
1: Yeah, for sure. And another guy who's going to be joining that machine is uh, Jesse Pugliarvi, who they acquired. Uh, he hasn't played a game yet, so we'll have to see. I, I wonder where he even slots in. Like it, like you say, it's a well-oiled machine. Like they've got Aho, Sveshnikov, Jarvis on one line, Teravine, and Natchez, Kokniemi that have been good. Then Stasny, Stepan, Nason, and Stahl, Fast, Marchanook. So, I guess is one of those bottom six lines. I, I'd be very surprised if Poole ends up having any value. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I guess the question is like, does he is he more of like a Jesper fast or is he more of a Seth Jarvis or Kot Like where we're on the Carolina secondary production spectrum or tertiary production spectrum does he sit Uh, and I guess I'd lean towards the yes fast side of things because Seth Jarvis and Kotkaniemi are doing quite well in their own right and I'm not sure exactly what deployment Pujarvi can get but we like Caroline is never afraid to shake it up and Pujarvi might get some of the better looks that he's been getting but uh, I think at the end of the day he is going to be uh, a cog in this larger machine and like Seth Jarvis for most of this year he's might have opportunities, but he's not going to be like called upon or really have the opportunity to become a big time scorer here. So maybe he's worth a-, a stream depending on where things go. Like I put him on my watch list. I want to see how he does in Carolina, but I don't think we're about to see like a brand new pool Yarvey emerge.
1: Yeah. Though so I, I said the same thing about Koknyemi, I think I would have been surprised to see him do something and he just had a goal and four assists today. Uh so you you never know what could happen, but which is the why, opportunity.
0: Yeah, which is why you put him on the watch list and stream. Like Jarvis and Kotkiniemi mm-hmm. are both pacing for like low forty points. And that's with yeah. some big production recently. So I don't see why Pool would be any better than that in the grand scheme of things.
1: Yeah. Okay. No, I was agreeing with you. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I I think that uh, it's interesting. It's another reclamation. Like Cockney was looking like a bit of a bust. And now, or maybe he still is. But uh, Jarvis is still like, uh, you know, I think they're easing him in. They they drafted Jarvis. I'm sure they're excited about him. I don't think they're going to be bumping him for Pouliarvi anytime soon. Uh, So yeah, you brought up Jacob Chikrin. So I definitely want to talk to him. Maybe he's the defenseman, actually, that we should be considering ahead of uh, Evan Bouchard moving forward, actually. I think there's definitely a discussion to be had. And we'll get to that discussion in just a sec. I guess this whole first half is going to be just talking about defensemen. We'll see how it goes. You're listening to Keeping Carlson. We'll be back soon. All right. We are back, Brian. We've been ranking defensemen who are in new situations after the trade deadline. And, of course, we have to talk about Jacob Chikrin, who goes to where the Ottawa who would have predicted this the Ottawa Senators got Jacob Chikrin the Sens are so exciting now I'll admit I was kind of off the you know I grew up in Ottawa I was a Sens fan my whole life I moved to Toronto I was like I don't have time to you know the Sens were bad and blah 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 I have no excuse okay but like even though I'm making them but now I'm like so excited about this team they've won five in a row now they've just picked up Chikrin who's looking so good he had a goal and an assist versus Columbus Uh, he's on the second power play but you know producing anyways which is you know been like something he's been able to do also in arizona even when he wasn't getting the power play last year i know was a bit tough but uh you know ottawa paid like a lot but also not a lot depending on how you think about it because i know the price tag was supposed to be like a huge prospect also along with some picks for chikrin since sent a first in this year uh a second next year and then another second like a couple years down the road in 2026 uh do you think brian that jacob chikrin can be just as good like on ottawa on the second power play as he was on arizona on the top power play just because he's going to be playing on a higher scoring team that was kind of shams's take when we talked about the trade on short shifts so far looking really really good but again small sample size but he he's uh jacob chickman's amazing and the Sens are amazing five wins in a row they're three points out of the wild card now behind pittsburgh they're tied with a bunch of teams like buffalo florida washington ottawa all right it's gonna be so exciting they might make it
0: I gotta be honest, like, I didn't even know who, like, what Jacob Shikrin looked like. Like, we've talked about him so much over the years, but he's never been on my roster. And He's, he's very now.
1: strong, Brian. He's, like, very buff. Oh, you should he's look up a picture ripped. of him without a shirt. Yes.
0: <laughs> I was talking to my brother about him today, and he's like, I saw him get off the bus, and he was just, like, like you know, like a, mo- like a mountain next to other professional athletes. Like, yes, this guy, like, I, he's had nothing to do but condition himself. I don't know if he's always looked this way, but everyone is fault. Shikrin is in love with Ottawa. Ottawa's is in love with him. Do you know his grandfather has been doing like various radio spots through the week That's since fun. being acquired. <laughs> and like, they showed a clip of his reaction. Uh, actually, it was a really funny thing on the, on the Sens broadcast. They showed Jacob Shikrin after he scored a goal right on Saturday night. And they, they showed uh, Kyle Bukaskas was interviewing him. It's like, here, here's your grandfather's reaction when you scored the goal. And like, his grandfather's just, like, standing there and, like, smiling and, like, takes a bite of, like, his Timmy's donut or something, and, like, Shikran's, like, crying. He's like, oh, that's kind of emotional. Like, that really gets me. It seemed like a really... Anyway, it's a very nice... The vibes are really good in Ottawa right now, and to your question about whether Jacob Shikran can do better in Ottawa as well, even without top power play, Um my knee-jerk response was no, he can't, because that top power play is kind of important, but... You know, I'm wondering if he can, like, the thing, again, and I mentioned this with Goss despair is that Arizona has been very successful at scoring goals this year, even more so with Shikrin on the ice than Goss Despair. Like, Shikrin on the ice, uh, Carolina's scoring over three goals per 60 minutes, which is basically, like, top-end production. Usually you see, like, maybe two and a half, two and three quarters. The elite lines do three or more, um but Jacob Shukran was not on an elite line and Arizona was still scoring over three goals per 60 minutes at five on five on about two and a half expected goals. Ottawa has been miserable at five on five for a lot of the year. They uh, are scoring almost a full goal less than Arizona per 60 minutes at five on five, but have an expected number that's a, about a quarter of a goal higher per 60 minutes. So like, this is all to say Um I don't know that Shikrin does better at 5-on-5 five five in Ottawa just because Arizona was ripping it up with Shikrin on the ice. Um, and But a lot of his points have come from strong 5-on-5 five five production this year, and it's looked about the same as it has for Shikrin at 5-on-5 five five, as it did uh, two seasons prior in his 60-point pace breakout. Um, and his power play production in Arizona wasn't especially great Either. So, like, this is all to say, I don't know, I'm throwing out a lot of data here, um, but to, to take something away from it is that I, I think Shikrin could probably keep up like a 60 point pace in Ottawa, even if he's not on the top power play, which is like a big thing to say. And it's a bit of a swing. I think a 50 point pace might be more likely, but I think a 60 point pace is possible. And Elon, I'm going to throw out the possibility. That maybe he does see some top power play time. Like we've, we've mentioned all season long that Thomas Shabbat has been up there, but he doesn't put up a lot of points there. That said, the Sens don't really care that he puts up all that, whether or not Shabbat puts up points there. They care that the unit converts, and they do. Um, like that's a pretty successful top power play unit, and why really mess with something if it's working? Um, they're not measuring their player success in fantasy points either. So uh, th- there's a lot of unknowns here. Uh, But I'm open to the possibility that Shikrin still retains pretty solid, fancy value. Doesn't take much of a hit due to moving to Ottawa and losing the opportunity to quarterback a top power play.
1: Yeah, like also, I love the shots. Like that's something I like better than Bouchard. So I could see reasons why. Yeah, even not on the top power play, I, I could see Chicken being more valuable than Bouchard and similar, like you said, to what he did in Arizona. Also, that second power play on Ottawa, like they don't get as much time, obviously, but they do have Claude Giroux on there, who is having himself a monster season. Like it's almost like just being on a power play with Giroux has got to be worth something. Uh, he's got now sixty three points in sixty two games after uh, putting up ten in his last five. Giroux is just a monster. Uh, Tim Stutzla, I could just like brag about like Sens players doing well for a little bit like I don't think we need any analysis here but Stutzla is now on a 93 point pace on the season after scoring goals in four straight games including two on Saturday looking like so far the runaway like top pick of his draft even though he went through third overall so that was a bit of a steal for the Sens uh, Cam Talbot I should mention he might be available in some leagues I guess we've done this like a bunch of times this year where I have brought up Cam Talbot getting starts and then you said uh, you know I don't believe it'll last but at this point Ottawa's going on a run trying to go for the playoffs he's their clear starter with Forsberg out like you know so Sogard has been good, but I think the plan is as long as Talbot can hold up, he's going to get the majority of the games to try to get the Sens into that, you know, eighth seed. So uh, I would definitely be interested in Talbot right now because the Sens are just clicking. He doesn't even have to play so, so well. He just needs to be average. And I think he'll have a good chance of winning a lot of games.
0: Yeah, Talbot is like Ottawa's own rental, right? After they beat Detroit in those back to back home games before the deadline. That was when Talbot went from like a trade deadline bait to someone like that they were hoping to get a pick back in return for to being like, yeah, you know what, we'll keep him because we're kind of going to need at least a warm NHL body, which is at least what Kim Talbot is. And I know that's that's Pretty critical. He hasn't played great, but he is better than you know. Going to your two AHL goalies and hoping they'll carry you through. Uh, what's what's is going to have to be a pretty big playoff run. So Cam Talbot is in a, a good spot right now. I think he still could share the net a fair deal with Sogard. Like I don't see him getting more than two out of every three starts, especially if he's not playing lights out. Uh, but it's a it's not a bad spot to be on this super hot sense team, as you were saying, Elon, like they're on fire in Ottawa. They've in five straight games, they have five or more goals. The team is shooting 16 and percent. But like I said, the vibes are good. And even if this doesn't quite continue, I could see Ottawa adjusting their game and doing reasonably well against teams in lower scoring battles. And that's when they'll really need to call on Talbot and Sogard. As for Tim Stutzler, by the way, he was drafted on average 89th overall in the Kakupful. This year. So the forward taken, uh the forwards taken before him were like Mark Stone, Evgeny Malkin, Patrice Bergeron, Buchnievich, Pavelski, Dylan Larkin. Like, stop me when you hear somebody that you would take before Stutzla again. Mm-hmm. I mean Malkin's this been really year. good. Well but, so yeah. well, my hot take was gonna be um like Malkin's been really good. He's pacing for 83 points. I would take Stutzla ahead of Malkin.
1: No, for sure. Even
0: if you promised me that Malkin was gonna play at least 70 games next year. I'd still, I'd still take Schutzel. Like I could see him having that ADP, like halving, I should really pronounce it to make sure what I'm saying. So like going from 90th overall to like 45th or top 50, it'll be fun to see where, where he goes. But he's a superstar. And as uh, my eight year old niece mentioned today, he's getting better every single minute
1: wow <laughs> that's impressive and by the way we should if we're gonna call out all these awesome superstars we probably should also mention brady kachuk who is also on fire like everyone is right six points his last five games kachuk over a point per game pace also which is something he's never done in his career uh so yeah it's a, it's a very exciting team and i would also take Stutzla. i it was, i remember back at the beginning of the year we had so many discussions about like who's gonna like not be good you know i feel like a lot of not not be good but it was like it felt like someone was gonna be the odd man out at least on the top power play you know uh because they were like brought into brinket And they, you know, they brought in Giroud. And I feel like Stutzla was our answer some of the time. And I don't know. We'd have to go back on some of those episodes. But definitely, I hope that we just said Stutzla will be, like, among the top. Because he really has been. But not like anyone else has been bad. I guess Batherson is probably the worst of all these uh, top-end sends lately. Uh, Okay. And he hasn't even been that bad. Uh, Brian, so I guess I wanted to keep doing defense. So, well, I guess we could go to Arizona quickly. They've lost Chikrin. They've lost Gosses-Veherr. So now I guess it's the Yusou Valimaki show. He's running the top power play still like he was before the trade deadline. But it's the top power play on a team who has Clayton Keller, has Nick Schmaltz. Actually, you know, the power play itself doesn't look that bad. Like Barrett Hayton's been really good lately. Uh, Travis Boyd is another person. So I don't know. Is Valimaki, like I'm not saying Valimaki going to be anywhere on this list, but is he like rosterable? Is he like a watch list to you or is he just like, I don't even care?
0: Man, like, I'm looking at uh, the the depth chart in Arizona tonight, and you've got, like, Keller, Heaton, Schmaltz, and then, a, like, it's really a bunch of guys. Like, you've got Matthias Michelli, Lawson Kraus. Like, those are the headliners on this roster. And on defense, you got, like, we're familiar with J.J. Moser because he's had some fancy relevance this year. But aside from that, Elon, none of these guys. Like, you... I imagine, I'm not going to put you, I I would fail to name most of them. It's like, oh, he's in Arizona or, oh, he's an NHL player would be my reaction to most of the decor and the bottom six. So Valimaki has his work cut out for him. But uh, hey, a power play is a power play. And Keller, Hayden, Schmaltz have all been fantastic lately. So Valimaki playing on a power play with them. There's hope that he could produce somewhat. um, But I would put him... uh, I'd put him below Klingberg. I'd put him below Goss Bear. I would put a uh, Valamaki above Tyson Barry, though, in our D
1: rankings. Okay. Well, that seems fair. I guess uh, I'll mention a name. I don't know. I don't know why. Connor Mackey. They just got him in a trade from Calgary. I think Connor Mackey used to be a prospect. I feel like it was a name I'd heard of at some point. So whatever.
0: That's that's how I feel about most, most <laughs> of this coyotes. Like when I said they are a bunch of guys, like it is a bunch of players who I'm like, yeah. I think like John Sebastian Dea is on there too. It's like, yeah, I've seen his name on a jersey before. Uh, Connor Mackey, undrafted, twenty six years old, out of college, has never.
1: uh, I don't know why I'd heard his name. (laughs) Has
0: been like semi successful defensively in the AHL with like fifty two points in uh, eighty career games. So that's
1: not bad for a defenseman, I guess. All right, Elon. I guess we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, okay, I think... Are we out at the... Fa- oh, I got one for you, Brian. Philip Hironik is over to Vancouver. He's injured right now, so we can't like look into an immediate impact. Uh, so probably not even worthwhile for fantasy. He might be back before the end of the year. I, clearly, the Canucks are doing this more as a long-term acquisition, and they paid a big price, right? A, a first this year, conditional first, and a second this year to get Phil, Philly Hironik. And I know like Vancouver's been trying to like shore up that D for a while, and generally not doing a great job uh, doing that by signing Tyler Myers, like trading for OEL, whatever. So uh, now they have Heronic. I I was like really shocked when I saw this because I've never really thought of Heronic as like such an amazing player. I remember when he was scratched last year. uh, This year, he definitely had his moments where he was doing really well, like in terms of fantasy. Uh, But then some of the patrons were telling me how like there's some advanced stats that have said he's like been having a really amazing year, though apparently he's like fallen off more recently. Uh, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on like? To me, it seems like a, a, a crazy price to pay, but maybe maybe I'm dumb, and maybe Hironik will actually be what the Canucks need to finally become a good team.
0: Well, that I, that's the key. Like, I think he's a good player, and I think a team could use him given like the state, the like at the right moment. But I don't know if this is the right moment for Vancouver, and like a lot of head scratching has been done about this, and I, I'm not going to pretend that I have anything more unique to say than what everybody else has been criticizing um exactly what's going on like is Hronik gonna hurt the tank uh when he's healthy I guess um he'd be a good acquisition for a playoff team or a team working towards like on their way on the upwards trajectory but Vancouver doesn't seem like they seem like confused in Vancouver they have some awesome cornerstone pieces to build around you've got Demko you've got Pedersen you've got Hughes you've got Miller you've got Kuzmenko you've kind of have Brock Besser, whether or not you can get something out of him, but they don't have the rest of the pieces or puzzle near complete. Like, I half wonder if Vancouver looks at Edmonton and they're like, well, we have the same number of pieces as them, but... So like, let's go for it or let's try and keep this team competitive. But none of those pieces in Vancouver, as good as they might be, none of them are McDavid and Dreisaitl. And like, even with them, Edmonton struggles, like no one should follow the Edmonton model. So uh, anyway, I I don't get it, Elon. And I think, unfortunately, this hurts Ronick's value because he saw some stretches on the top power play in Detroit. And he is uh, seems extremely unlikely to see any top power play time in Vancouver.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a hit for him when he comes back. Uh, and since we're on the Canucks, you mentioned Demko as one of the core pieces. Demko finally back with the team after missing so, so much time. But, yeah, he played against Minnesota and had a really good game on Thursday. He stopped 34 of 36 in an unfortunate loss where uh, Vancouver lost 2-1. to one. Definitely not Demko's fault. And then he was in the net for that game we talked about where the Leafs couldn't get much by him uh, on Saturday. It was 4-1 for Vancouver. And Demko stopped 36 of 37, a fantastic game. I don't want to, like, get ahead of myself here, but, like, going into the season, we did our Schmore Goalies Board episode, and we put Demko in Tier 2 as one of the top goalies that you can rely on, and he totally let us down, made us look like real shmohawks i don't know real dum dums? i've never heard that word before it was from like Kerber enthusiasm i think larry david said that his dad like (laughs) used that word a lot hopefully it's not like an offensive word to anybody (laughs) but anyway uh demko's finally looking good so maybe we were right all along brian do you think that tier two thatcher demko is back or uh do you think this is like don't get ahead of yourself but either way it doesn't really matter because it's trying to predict goalies but i'm sure people who drafted him and now had him now are, are excited to actually be getting something out of him finally
0: yeah, like, I don't think we ever lost faith that Demko would show up. Remember, a lot we were making comparisons to last season where he started really weak, and then he found his game. But he just I mean, he was going longer struggling this year than he did last year. And then he got hurt. So we couldn't find his game. I think Thatcher Demko is still in there. Uh, it's just a matter of how much of him we get to see, uh, but he's anti-tank uh, material as well. Like he stopped 70 of the last 73 shots. He's faced Demco putting up a combined 959 save percentage against Minnesota and Toronto. It's great to see him succeed, um, but in a league where you're looking for wins, I would still steer pretty clear of Demco. but in rates, especially like if you're just looking for like a start or two a week or like some guaranteed starts with some good
1: chances at good rates, I think Demco has some value okay uh, so with and hey I think he can also get you some wins like because he's good like he's done it in the past right A Vancouver that team that wasn't that good was still able to win and get far in the playoffs that one time because of Demko and they do have like those high-end guys like you said so I mean if he was available for agency I would grab him it's probably not but if he was I'd get him uh, anyway Brian I think that's it for defenseman. I think, like, actually, I want you to, like, buzz me or something if I mention another defenseman's name for the rest of the show. I want to see if we could actually do a whole other hour, not mentioning one D-man, but we do have a ton of other players to talk about that are forwards and goalies, and so I think now's a good time to take a break, and then we're going to be back for part two, which I think is going to be a ton of fun, because there are so many more trades that we have to get to, so hopefully you've enjoyed this first half of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey podcast. Uh, if you are not sure how to get part two, make sure you're subscribed. That's how, that's how podcasts work. You subscribe. You just get new episodes downloaded automatically. Helps us out, uh, and that you should already have part two available in your feed. Uh, we'd love your support, five star review, gonna uh, become a patron. But I guess we'll get to all of that at the end of part two. So thanks, everyone, and we will talk to you soon.